Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. That is our passage here uh, this morning as we look at the, the life of Jesus and what that means for us. Uh, so please can I ask you to keep your Bibles open there to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. Uh, Benjamin is going to read that for us. Today's reading is taken from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Ben, for doing that Bible reading. Um, we are going to be looking at that, um, that passage uh, in just a while. Um, the title for our message this morning is Christmas is Here, the Promise is, Has Been Fulfilled. And we're looking at particularly verse 23 as we think about the birth of Jesus Christ, the significance that it is uh, for our lives. Uh, Matthew 123, uh, Matthew tells us that the story of Jesus uh, is actually supposed to remind us of another uh, story, another story of a child uh, who is born, a child who has a special name and who is given a special task, uh, and that is uh, from Isaiah chapter, chapter 7. The name is Emmanuel, uh, and it is simply a sentence that means God with us, and that is what we are remembering as we remember Christmas, that God is with us, and the special task that this child is given is that he's going to rescue his people uh, from their trouble. Uh, God has acted once in Isaiah. Uh, God is going to act again in the life of Jesus. Uh, that is what it means that uh, this, uh, this promises has been, have been fulfilled. So this is what we're going to see here in just a moment. Um, I believe that God wants us to hear this morning, uh, what he wants us to hear is that we must take heart, uh, because he is, we're not alone. Uh, God is with us. God is with us. Therefore, this Christmas we can take heart. Why don't I pray for us, uh, that he will help us as we look into his word. Please bow your heads and join me. Father, we are thankful for Christ. Uh, we are thankful for all that he has done. This morning, Lord, I pray that all glory will be brought to you as we think about the event of Christmas, your incarnation, that you took on human flesh to come and deal with our trouble, uh, to come remind us that you continue to be with us despite what our circumstances would dictate. Uh, I pray, Lord, that uh, your, your word would come out uh, in power and that we would be convicted uh, to bow our knees before this King Jesus. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. 
Um, take heart this Christmas, for you are not alone, because God is with you. God is with you. Uh, those are the most comforting words uh, ever to be uttered in the history of humanity. Now, let, let me just say, and I think this is true for all of us, that it is terrifying to be alone, or this deep feeling of feeling that you are alone. Um, I'll tell you a, a bit of a story of me being terrified of being alone. Now, let me just give you a spoiler alert uh, that I'm afraid of the dark. Uh, so you know where the story is, is going. Uh, I must have been about 14 years old, and I was, I always had an active imagination. I've always been scared of the dark. I don't know why. Maybe it's uh, perhaps because we grew up in a village hearing uh, ghost stories around the fire. So <laughs> I was terrified to walk outside, uh, especially in my village. To this day, I think I'm still terrified of that. My mind goes into overdrive as I think about the scary things that are out there. So this one night, I was 14 years old. I was sleeping, and then I don't know what happened. I woke up, and I saw there was a coat that used to hang just opposite my bed, and I saw this coat, and my little brain uh, convinced me that there was a person in the house who was moving towards me. And I didn't hesitate, and I screamed out to my grandmother, Ma! And then she came out uh, running and asking me what's wrong. I said, there's, a human, there's, a, there's somebody here in the house, uh, to which she switched on the light and said, it's okay, Papa, there's nothing, uh, there's nothing in in the house. Those were comforting ways of a grandmother to a terrified little child who was scared of, of, uh, of the dark. And now that event I'll never forget. And the reason why I'll never forget it is because to this very day, I cannot sleep with my light off if I'm alone. Uh, if my wife is away, <laughs> I sleep with my light on. Uh, don't judge me, and uh, that is trauma. Um, so I, I, I'm afraid of the dark. And I came to just think about this uh, as I was preparing this message, that it is not so much that I'm afraid of the dark, but it is that I'm afraid of being alone in the dark. Uh, so I can walk in the most terrifying of environments, in the bushes of the Northwest at night, as long as there's someone with me. So I'm not so much afraid of the dark. I'm afraid of being alone in, in the dark. And many of us are afraid of being alone in the deep darknesses of life, aren't we? Uh, it took a pandemic to help us realize that uh, as we were struggling with our own fears, our fears of death, our fears of uh, sicknesses, it was tough to be alone in all of that. We had to face all those hard emotions on our own. And it is difficult to face hard emotion, especially when we feel like we are all alone. Um, I was reading a, a book that touched on this. It's a book that's written to, to parents uh, for, for how they uh, parent their, their children. The book is called Raising Emotionally Strong Boys. And the reason I was drawn to this book is because I have a very um, how do I call it, a, a child who's deeply emotional, who feels everything. My son feels everything. Apparently, he's like his dad. I don't believe that. Um, but I had to read this uh, because I had to help him navigate uh, the emotions that he was experiencing, uh, whether it's extreme happiness 
or extreme sadness. You come home and say, Papa, I'm sad, and I didn't know what to do with that. Uh, so this book tells us how to deal uh, with that. Because very often what we do as parents uh, is that we want to explain away the fears and the hard emotions that our children have. Uh, so your children comes, your child comes back from school and says, I'm sad. Uh, nobody wants to play with me. I don't think I'm loved. <laughs> what is your knee-jerk reaction as a parent? It is to kind of help them uh, to think uh, differently. It is to help them to say, but what about Tepo at school? Uh, I, I, I thought you guys uh, were quite close friends. So, so our natural reaction as parents is to try to explain away the feelings that this, uh, these children have, these deep feelings of sadness uh, or of unpleasant emotions. And what this book says is that our job as parents is not so much to uh, explain away their emotions, but it is to reassure them when they say, I'm sad, to say, Papa is here, I'm here to listen to uh, your sadness. And that's the reason, that's the only way we can help them open up to us about the difficult emotions that they have, uh, particularly because we show them as parents that those emotions are not debilitating, that it is okay to experience those, uh, those emotions, and that's our job according to this book as parents. And so if this is our job, I was thinking about the God of the universe, the God that Jesus calls Father, the perfect Father uh, that we read about in Scripture. How much more does he help us in our difficult emotions uh, to take heart, uh, to remember that he is uh, with us, that we are not alone. Uh, so we're going to see this, um, this morning uh, that you are not alone because God is with you. And we're going to see that he's with us in two different ways. He's with us in our pain, and then he's with us in our shame. So he's with us, number one, in our pain, and then number two, in our shame. That is uh, the God of the universe. Let's have a look at the first, uh, the first point there, which is that God is with us in our pain. Now, why would we speak about pain on a Christmas morning? <laughs> I'm not out here to ruin your Christmas morning by bringing pain, but I would like to remind you that every time the Bible uses the word God is with you, it is often when times are difficult. As you read across the scripture, whenever God reminds his people that he's with them, it is either when things are going bad, or something bad has just happened, something bad is happening, or something bad is, uh, is going to happen. Uh, so when God reminds uh, his people in Isaiah chapter 41, uh, verse 10, he says to them, fear not, for I am with you. Why does he say that to them? Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He reminds them uh, that although they may be feeling weak, uh, he's there to strengthen them. Uh, so this message is written to a people who need strengthening, uh, who need to be reminded uh, that God is with them. And that is what Isaiah is, is all about. Another one comes from the very last book of the Bible, uh, Revelation. Revelation is written by John uh, to people who are experiencing, Christians who are experiencing deep pain. And he encourages them uh, as he writes these um, this, uh, this visions to them. Revelation 21 
verses 3 to 4. Again, God reminds his people that he is with them. Listen to these words from verses 3 to 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He, he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Why does he need to remind them of that? Because they're living under Roman occupation, and life is difficult for them. He goes on to say that God is not only with them, but he will wipe away every tears from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. He gives them a vision of something greater, of a God who is going to act on behalf of them, who will one day dwell with them for all of eternity to wipe away their pain. God is with us, and he is with us in our shame. We don't have time to look at the whole counsel of God uh, across the scripture, but every time God reminds uh, people that he's with them, it is because the times are difficult. And so for us to understand the message of Christmas, uh, we need to understand that what God writes for his people, he's writing uh, to them when times are difficult, uh, during a time of crisis. The first time is in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7, it is a time of crisis. Our theologians call this the Syro-Ephraimite crisis. And basically, it just means that King Ahaz, who was ruling over Judah, was in big trouble. Uh, the two kingdoms, uh, his distant cousin and another king, ganged up together uh, to lay siege to uh, his capital. And they murdered and uh, massacred uh, over 120,000 people in just a day. And so when God says, behold, I am with you, uh, it is written in the context of deep suffering and deep pain. God wants to remind King Ahaz that he continues to be with him. So that's the first time we hear this words: behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. It was a sign that God is with his people. God is with them in their pain. Uh, now, the second time that this is quoted, it is Matthew quoting, quoting it. And it is under the story of Christmas, uh, a story of uh, Christmas when God sent his son into our world. And now the story of Christmas again comes at a crisis moment. You guys are looking at me like you're thinking about your government. Can someone help me preach here this morning? Say crisis moment. It is written in a crisis moment. It is under oppression that this uh, Matthew writes this gospel uh, where they had no king, no land. The Romans were at their doorsteps and uh, the Romans were oppressing God's people. And God once again would want them to remember that he is with them. Uh, they were people who were in deep pain. And uh, God says to them uh, that the event of Christmas is an event of another child uh, who is given a special name with a special task, and that special name is Jesus, uh, that special name would remind God's people that he is with them in their pain and is with them to save them uh, from their enemies. Just think about those words that we sang this Christmas morning, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, uh, that mourns in lonely exile until the Son of God appears. Uh, even in our Christmas carols, 
we remember that Christmas comes in a crisis moment. Someone help me say crisis moment. It comes at a crisis moment, and it is in crisis moment that we need to remember uh, that despite our pain, in spite of our pain, God continues uh, to be with us. He continues to act. Um, he continues to act by sending his son to once again deal decisively with the pain of humanity. Uh, in the words of uh, my favorite prophet, uh, Julius Malema, uh, to deal with, I'm going to deal with you decisively. That's what God does uh, when he sends his son. He comes to deal with human pain decisively. Uh, he comes to do it once and for all. And those words are comforting because east of Eden, you and I are going to experience pain and difficulties. You and I are going to experience uh, part of what, what it means to be human, that as we live, if you live long enough, uh, you will not avoid pain and suffering. I like how one author puts it. He says that uh, we experience the ragged uh, edges of human pain. And his, his point was that human pain, when you look at it on a larger scale, it is often smooth uh, when you look at stats and, and those kind of things. But when you take it onto a personal level, uh, it becomes ragged. It does not have any smooth edges. He continues to, to say that it is, it is one thing to talk about a collapsing economy, and the challenges of living in 2023, um, Jobek, it is another thing to be at Midland Hyper to see a woman uh, let go of her sacrificing to not get sugar because she doesn't have enough money. That is the pain of living in our world. It is one thing to talk about the increased crime stats and unemployment in our country. It is another thing to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning with the words, there are people in the house. Uh, this happened to me on the 13th of September. Those are the ragged edges of human pain. It is one thing to talk about the percentage of uh, prostate cancer among men. It is another thing to sit across an oncologist uh, who tells you about the after effects of your cancer treatment. Human pain has its rough uh, edges And very often it is ugly, it is unpredictable, it is unavoidable, but God is with us in that pain. Someone say, God is with us. God is with us in uh, our pain. Um, uh, one person who really understood this was a man called John Wesley. Uh, John Wesley was a famous English um, evangelist, and he died at the ripe age of 87. As he lay on his deathbed, he had no energy at all, and he was trying to mumble something, and those who were there couldn't hear what he, what he was saying. Uh, and so he paused just a little bit, and with the last energy that he had, he apparently clenched his fist, and he used all the energy that he had and said this word, this words, the best of all is God with us. The best of all is God with us, and he breathed, his last. And I just thought, man, that is incredible, isn't it? I don't know what he died of. Uh, many speculate that it was a stroke uh, because he was healthy up until uh, the time that he uh, was struck. It was about a month uh, that he lay on this deathbed. What a way to go out uh, by saying the best of all is God with us. Uh, this uh, words uh, were picked up by a hymn writer called 
Andrew Pratt. Uh, in 2003, he penned a hymn with these words, and he says that the best of all is God with us. God will hold and never fail. Keep that truth when storms are raging. God remains, remains through uh, faith, though faith is frail. The best of all is God with us. Life goes on and life goes on and needs are not met. God is strongest in our weakness. Love renews, will not forget. The best of all is God with us. In our joy and through our pain, till that final acclamation, life is Christ and death is gain. So God wants us to hear this morning to take heart because he is with us. We are not alone. He's with us in our pain, but he's not just with us in our pain. The last point is that he is with us in our shame. He's with us in our pain, and then he's with us in our shame. Now, very interesting that when we read this, the Bible, often we read it with a, a lens of guilt, uh, guilt and innocence, uh, that when we think about the word shame, we actually clamp it up uh, with, um, with guilt. Uh, uh, shame is a bit different uh, from guilt. And I like to define shame as this deep feeling of rejection, of being rejected by God or being rejected by people. That is what shame uh, is, is this feeling of uh, unworthiness, that we don't deserve a seat at the table. Uh, shame is that. Shame is what Joseph must have felt when his fiancée told him that there's a bun in the oven and God put it in there. Uh, if Joseph was living in Middleburg, he would be the talk of the town. People will be rejecting him and looking down on him. I apologize for anyone who's in middle, from Middleburg. But Middleburg is in the middle of nowhere, right? Uh, in between Joburg and, and, and Nelspreet, another insignificant town. Um, if Jesus were to be born in 2023, he would be born in Middleburg. Uh, he's... Uh, the talk of the town would be, yes, that's, that guy, we know what happened. He's another teenage uh, pregnancy stat. Um, this is the shame that Joseph would have felt. An interesting fact is that Luke, if you read the account of Luke's gospel, he tells us about the shame that Mary experiences and how God reassures her that he will change his story. In Matthew's gospel, Matthew tells us the story, but from the point of view of Joseph. Uh, God speaks to Joseph and tells him that he should not worry about the shame uh, because he is with him and he's going to change uh, his story. Shame is what Joseph uh, was trying to avoid when he was uh, trying to secretly divorce Mary. Uh, he was trying to cover up the shame because what would people say? Uh, people reject them. In society, because it is unheard of uh, for a woman uh, to have relations outside of uh, his, uh, her marriage, and the evidence would have been there for everyone to see. Um, a non-church person describes shame this way: she says that shame is the fear of not being worthy of connection and belonging. It is a fear that you're not enough and you will be rejected for your weakness. It is that small voice in our head that tells us as we walk through those doors that we are not enough, we're not enough for God, that we have to work hard to prove ourselves before God. And what the Bible reminds us of is that God is with us. He is with us in our shame. And God approves of us because of what the Lord Jesus has done for us. And because God approves of us, we don't need to prove ourselves. 
ourselves. Uh, we don't need to prove ourselves. He has once and for all dealt with our shame. Uh, it is not, um, we don't bear the shame anymore. We don't have to come to church and feel, man, I got to dash off after service because of the shame uh, that I bear. Because I feel like people will look at me and they will realize that I'm a fraud. Isn't that what we feel sometimes? Uh, that we're all alone in our sin, we're all alone in our shame, we're not good enough for church, we're not good enough for, 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 for God, we are just a fraud. Here's the reality, we are all frauds here this morning, amen. Not a nice thing to hear on a Christmas morning. We're all frauds because we all do not live up to uh, the standards that we set for ourselves, we don't live to the standards that God has set for us, uh, we fail him at every turn and we bear this deep, same with us. And we don't have to, the gospel reminds us that we don't have to work hard for God to prove us, um, to approve of us, or for God to welcome us. God in Jesus has come to deal with our shame. And that is what Emmanuel means, that God comes into a world of people who are undeserving of his mercy. And he comes to rescue them. And he comes to tell them that you, you have a seat at the table. You can come in into my presence. You can become my child. Not because of anything that you have done, but because of all that my son is going to do. And that is what the second name Jesus means. That God is going to act. He's with us and he's going to act uh, to rescue us. He's going to act to bring us into uh, his family. Uh, the name Jesus simply means Joshua. It was a common name. It was as common as Simba, if you come from Zim. Um, two out of five Zimbabwean boys uh, are named Simba. Amen, Priv. Um, so if you meet a guy from, uh, from Zim, he might be called Simba. And if you met a guy from Jesus' time uh, in Middleburg, uh, his name would have been Joshua. It's, a, it's just a common name, uh, but it had deep meaning. It had deep meaning that in the past, God acted. In the event of the Exodus, God acted to rescue his people. In the event of Joseph entering, or rather Joshua entering the promised land, God acted to uh, alleviate the shame that his people felt, this shame of not having a home, not having a king, so as to um, bring them into a place when he can call them his people. God has acted before, and God in Jesus, is going to act again. He's going to act by reminding them that he's with them. He's with them in their pain, but he's finally with them in their rejection. And as we read the story of Jesus, we remember that this child who is born uh, of a virgin, he lived a perfect life. He was rejected and despised. He experienced shame he was spat on. Uh, the greatest of shame was to be crucified and to bear a curse on a cross. Uh, that is what Jesus came to do. Uh, he came to do that so that you and I do not have to do that. Uh, he came to be rejected uh, by men, rejected by, by, by all of creation, and crucified and bore a, cross, um, a curse for us so that we could one day say, because of Jesus, we can be approved by God. God is with us in our pain, but he's also with us in 
us him. And this Christmas morning, we can confidently come to him and say, God, if there's any shame that we still bear, if there's any part of us that still does not believe that you're with us, if there's any part of us that still tries to work hard to impress people, to impress you by our religion, uh, God, please take that away. Please remind us that you are with us. Uh, God is with us. Uh, God is with us in our pain and in our shame. And I just want to end it off uh, with a story of a father who is with uh, his child. And this is the story of a well-known uh, rapper. I don't listen to rap. I think Black is more of a hip-hop guy. How many of you know a guy called DMX? Okay, few of us um, know DMX. Brian, do you know DMX? He's the greatest of rappers. You should... I was going to say you should listen to him, but he's got uh, foul stuff. Uh, maybe don't listen to him. Um, but DMX is like, he's one of those guys, if I went to high school with him, I wouldn't want to uh, pick a fight with him. He's rough. Uh, he's got a deep voice. Um, so, <laughs> so this this is a cute story of uh, DMX. He's, uh, and it's on, on social media, you can Google it. He's with his daughter at a theme park. And they are on this ride. I don't know why he's uh, uh, at a theme park. I don't know why anybody rides those theme, uh, those uh, rides at theme park. You just remain where God has placed you. <laughs> and that's my philosophy. That's why I'm gonna die old uh, because I don't try out those things. Anyway, uh, D- uh, DMX is with his daughter there, and they're at a theme park. It is one of those where uh, they strap you on, and then it goes up. Uh, into 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 the sky. I think she's about eight years old. Uh, this uh, this daughter, and as the as the thing goes up, as this uh, ride goes up, uh, she just screams. She just is terrified of what's happening uh, because again, you should remain here. Not eight year old should be going up there. And as she goes up there, DMX with this rav gangster voice say, don't worry, there is here, there is here. And the whole time he's saying, there is here, there is here. And it is so cute because I can feel him. I can feel the comfort that this little daughter is receiving from this tough and hardcore man who's saying, there is here. Because even when life is throwing her up in the sky, she will remember that in that moment, there was there. And because there was there, it made the feeling of going up in the sky much more bearable. And God wants us to remember that he also, perhaps in like DMX, um, I know you're judging me for uh, comparing God to DMX. Um, don't judge me. Um, but in, in a similar way, God, if you think of him, he's, he's not a guy you want to pick a fight with. Uh, the God of Scripture is a terrifying God. He's a God who lives in our unapproachable light. Yet at the same time, the event of Christmas reminds us that that same God who lives in an approachable light is the same God who came into this world to remind us that there is here, that despite what life may throw at us, even if it throws us up in the, in the sky, there is here. That is here to hold us in our addiction. That is there to pick us up when we fall into sin that is here uh, to cover up our sin and our shame that is here when we are in pain and in suffering 2023 uh, Christmas God wants us to remember that he is there uh, he's there for us in our pain and in our suffering and I wonder as you came in this morning can you confidently say 
that dad is here, that God is with you, uh, that if you're not a Christian, the invitation still stands uh, this morning. Uh, God is willing to embrace you and to, again, reassure you that he is with you. He can approve of you uh, without you having to prove yourself to him. Um, Let's remember that, that we are not alone. God is with us. He's with us in our pain and in our shame. Let us pray and thank him for that. Our Father, we thank you so much for this morning. Uh, we thank you for yet another Christmas that you have, you have preserved us, Lord. Uh, we think of many who could not make it to uh, this Christmas. Uh, we thank you of, for your mercies that you have been with us. Uh, many of us have been Christians over 30, 40, even 50 years, and we remember that it can only be because of your goodness. I thank you, dear Lord, that uh, at Christmas you remind us that you approve of us. Help us, Lord, uh, to step into even the new year uh, with uh, a new vigor uh, to just worship you, as Catherine reminded us, uh, to remember that you are a God who is with us with us in our pain, with us in our shame. As we enjoy this Christmas, please reassure us of that truth. Help us as we go out to witness for you and to be filled with this joy that God is with us. Uh, it, It is in your name that we pray these things. Amen.